Captain's Log, starting 49136.4. It's been a few weeks since I run with the Horogen, and the crew is still licking its wounds. When we first entered the Delta Quadrant, I was confident that Voyager could handle anything thrown at it. Now, I'm not so sure. weeks have gone by, two, two and a half weeks since the uh, therapy sessions. All of you have been reinstated into your current positions. Uh, nothing more than uh, rumored uh, record marring has occurred. The day after uh, Locke and Drake's therapy session, they were returned to duty. And uh, after a while, uh, the ship uh, continues on its merry way home to the Alpha Quadrant. At the moment, we come to a scene in the captain's ready room, and Quinn has called uh, Mirren, uh, Seraph, and Locke into his ready room for a a uh, what he has called a combat readiness uh, discussion. You, he's offered all of you seats, though of course you can decide whether or not you're sitting or standing. He clears his throat and looks first at Mirren. Well, I understand that uh, most of our systems are back online at this point. Uh, the Trojan did a pretty nasty number to many of Voyager's critical systems. But as I understand it, Mr. Mirren, we're back to full power? Yeah, we're as best back in as best shape as we can possibly be. Very well. Now, uh, there comes, of course, the uh, this... Uh, package, we'll call it, that the Horosian left for us on the bridge. Now, Mr. Seraph, you've, uh, and Mr. Locke, you've determined that this is definitely not a, uh, a bomb or sabotage device of some sort. That is correct, Captain. Correct, yeah. Captain. Hmm. And your assessment still stands, Mr. Seraph, that in some way this is some sort of upgrade unit? I'm a little fuzzy on the exact scientific details. It would be better to say that it is an enhanced uptake unit, Captain. It will improve the energy efficiency and reduce the energy requirements of any system that it's attached to. Mm. In this way, we can eke out more performance from existing systems. Interesting. Well, Mr. Mirren, I'm going to leave this module, we'll call it, in your hands. I want you to do a assessment of Voyager's current systems and I will leave it in your executive decision to decide what you think system on Voyager needs this upgraded processing the most. I didn't realize we were having a second Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, in uh, sort of out of character, mechanically speaking, um, uh, Jordan, as uh, the chief engineer, uh, basically, from a mechanics perspective, uh, you may upgrade one of the systems on Voyager by one point. As uh, Mirren is no doubt pondering that in-game, he turns his attention over to Mr. Locke and Mr. Seraph. Now, gentlemen, I'm not going to mince words. I'm embarrassed by how the Horogen was so easily able to disable Voyager. Now, of course, there's something to be said about us not being, knowing what to expect out here, but, of course, we didn't expect to be stranded in the Delta Quadrant. Nonetheless, 
the intrepid class starships are some of the best and brightness that the fleet has to offer. And we were disabled like a child's toy. Now, Mr. Locke, I want in the next few weeks, the few months, uh, for you to increase the combat drills amongst, amongst the crew. Not just uh, on uh, intruders on the ship, but also in tactical readiness, uh, firing accuracy, uh, the speed at which the shields can be raised and modulated. Of course, Captain. Captain, I have in fact been working in my spare time on something which might prove useful in this regard, particularly given that the Herogen have demonstrated the ability to bypass shields. I'm listening, Mr. Seraph. It is still a very early prototype, and testing it is particularly troublesome. And what exactly is it, Mr. Seraph? Well, to put it in simple terms, it is a transporter uh, unit slaved to a replication track, which creates a neodymium magnet slug that accelerates quickly down a miniaturized track by utilizing the transporter array in pulses at the end of this track, the neodymium slug can be returned to the beginning of the track to be further accelerated over and over and over again, uh, quickly reaching a extreme velocity within a relatively short time. Quinn squints at you. And of course, within a very short track. And then, of course, once the neodymium slug has been accelerated sufficiently, the transporter pulse can be turned off, the slug allowed to exit from the end of the barrel, for lack of a better word, and the slug will then accelerate into the area immediately in front of the barrel and anything between it and its eventual target. And then through the target, of course, and whatever's behind it, and whatever is behind it, and whatever's behind it, and so on, Captain. Commander, you're speaking of a railgun, aren't you? Ah, so you're familiar with the basic concept, Mr. Locke. Yes. Well, yes, it's uh, antiquated technology that was phased out once energy weapons became prevalent on ships. Just so. However, they were not working with the advances that we have in replicator and transporter technology. A great part of their limitations were in the length of the track. It required an incredibly long track in order to accelerate the slug to anything approaching even the smallest fraction of light speed. But with the transporter pulse, this can be accomplished with a very small track. It can, in fact, be miniaturized for a hand-held use. Uh, that's the current prototype version, anyways. I have plans for a much larger one. Uh, uh, Sarah, may I? Absolutely. How did you overcome the challenge of the muzzle durability? Ah, and the tractor that's ability? an excellent point. One of the things that the rail guns always suffered from was that they could destroy themselves if the slug moved too fast. 
but again, they did not have our current force field technology. By quickly pulsing a force field on as it exits the barrel, the barrel itself never touches the slug, and thus the material integrity is maintained. How to describe Mirren's reaction? He's like <laughs> wide-eyed and just kind of glaring at Seraph. Doesn't really know how to respond. Well, Mr. Seraph, is uh, is this prototype ready for field testing? I'd be mighty curious. Absolutely, Captain. I have, in fact, put it to some very minimal tests within the hmm, building phase. However, that explains the holes in the hall. <laughs> however, due to the powerful nature of this weapon, I am reluctant to give it a full-on field test. I see. So you're worried that it might damage Voyager in some way? It would, in fact, go through the hull, Captain. The deck plating of wherever you're currently standing, the deck plating behind that, and onwards until it reached the hull. And in fact, it would continue on once it punched its way through the Voyager's hull on into space, as though very little had been between it and wherever it eventually will end up. Well, you might have a chance to field test it for us at some point. We will have to save it for some sort of scrap heap, I'm afraid, Captain. Some derelict. Somewhere where we wouldn't be worried about little holes. Commander, if I may ask, though. Please. We encounter space objects all the time. In the early 21st, 22nd century, um, I believe the history books stated that the planet Earth, or Terra, was surrounded by a debris field, and they travel at exorbitant speeds. If we didn't have defenses against this, our ship would be filled with holes already, so how would you, how would this counteract the innate durability that the ship has against objects such as that? You hear uh, Gil's voice come over the intercom. Um, Captain, uh, we have Detected a distress call. I see. All right, gentlemen, we're going to have to shelf this conversation for now. But uh, I want research to continue on as much as possible. Absolutely, Captain. And Mr. Locke, I had no idea you were so interested in the scientific underpinnings of weapons technology. I would love to discuss further with you. Hmm. Yes, to the bridge, gentlemen. Hi, Captain. And you all mosey out into the bridge, which is instantly outside the door. It's like <laughs> mosey, mosey, mosey. Yes, exactly. All right. How close are we to the distress call, Mr. Drake? At the current speed we're going, Captain, we would be ten minutes away from the distress call. Ten minutes away. Very well. Let's not take any chances. Mr. Locke, I want shields raised. Yellow alert. Hi, Captain. Mm. Yellow alert. What are the details of this distress call? Or is it just a beacon that says, help? Yeah, it's just like a, it's just like an automated SOS. Okay, like yeah. it's basically just saying help, help, help. Yeah, to, exactly. More, more or less. Um, yeah. Considering our last several attempts at answering distress calls, are we equipped to manage something like this, especially so soon? This could go south very quickly. We don't necessarily need to step in, but is your call. 
I'm as concerned for the ship's safety as always, but it is Starfleet protocol to answer distress signals if possible. And I have to assume that not everyone calling for distress is a Hirogen ambush. We would hope not at this point. Mr. Seraph, long-range sensors, are we getting anything on this ship? Very little at this point, Captain. I am getting fluctuating power readings, Captain. But it is unclear whether or not they are in actual distress, or if indeed anything is there, as the Hirogen were indeed able to deceive our senses last, and there are others who may have the same ability. I agree, however, that we cannot simply assume that in this case. Perhaps if we came within several light years, I would be able to get a better reading. Very well. It's the unpressing course, Mr. Drake. Uh, In-game, after another few minutes have passed and we draw closer, uh, yeah. Seraph announces, Captain, I am now receiving definite low-power readings. I believe we are receiving signals of life signs as well, the type of which I cannot determine. I do not believe there are any matches in our database. Interesting. Can we open a hailing frequency? I have opened a hailing frequency, Captain. At the moment, receiving no response. This one could actually be needing our help, but... Interesting. Are we within this system yet, Mr. Drake? Affirmative, Captain, on the outer edge. Alright, drop us out of warp, bring us towards him at full impulse. Affirmative. And as you do, and as Drake uh, brings Voyager uh, towards the derelict, uh, you find a ship. It's a strange shape. It's sort of a uh, sort of a cyl cylindrical uh, shape. Um, it's got a a um, very strange sort of uh, nacelle set up at the back. It's got like four nacelles sort of sprouting out of this. And the the whole ship, unlike most of the Federation ships that are sort of uh, dual layered with sort of a saucer section and then a, uh, a thin section where the engines are. This ship is, looks like it's all one lawn piece. Um, it's smaller than Voyager, maybe half the size, 70% of the size, something like that. And the ship you can see uh, is sort of just sort of floating in place. Well, it's floating in place in space. But it's not making any effort to pro propel away. And um, and scans, Mr. Locke uh, alerts you that the their, if their weapons, if they have any, and their shields are offline at the moment. Mr. Drake, bring the ship to a halt. Uh, Mrs. Seraph, uh, open a channel to the ship. Channel open, Captain. This is Captain Ulysses Quinn of the Federation Starship USS Volger. Unidentified alien vessel. We are willing to render assistance if you so desire. Please respond. And for a few moments, there's nothing. And then uh, over uh, the comms, there's no visual, but there's audio. And you get a, a very sort of weak uh, message in reply, uh, kind of muffled. Uh, not muffled like the comm systems are bad, but muffled like the guy speaking is, has got something over his face. This is uh, Commander Elisar of the Vidians. We are currently experiencing a uh, system-wide shutdown and uh, request uh, assistance if you are able to render it. Very well. And uh, uh, Quinn gives uh, Seraph uh, the signal to, like, cut the signal for the communications for a second communications muted captain mm. mrs seraph uh can we uh 
confirm what they're saying. Are their systems indeed offline? Their systems are in a low power state, Captain. But it is not clear that they have suffered any loss to make that occur, or if they have simply powered their systems low. We're going to take the diplomatic approach here. Mr. Gill, Mr. Drake, Mr. Mirren, I want you and a small security detachment to beam over to the ship and ascertain for yourselves exactly what their problems might be. Affirmative, Captain. Understood. Mr. Locke, have two of your security men report to transporter room two to meet the officers. All right, Captain. Okay, and uh, so we will uh, switch over to uh, transporter room two for the second for the moment. Uh, so, uh, for for this purpose, I suppose, uh, Chris and Kirk, you can play the two uh, security guys that are going to beam over to this alien ship. Seraph, does it appear that the ship that we would be transporting to will be uh, will have an atmosphere breathable to us, or will we need exosuits for this? Yes, exosuits will be required. The atmosphere is high in xenon and nitrogen. Well, I can hail and see Warrior Princess. <laughs> in game, I do, I do kind of page Bertram and Corwin to. Okay, great. To... And Gil says the magic word to Mr. Telepot. Engage. No! Okay, and take 325. Okay. And, Gil says the ma and Gil says the magic word to Mr. Telepot. Energize. <laughs> Make it so. <laughs> Does he say it as he laughs? Yeah, know. yeah. Energize! <laughs> okay, and okay. Gil says, One more time. And Gil, says the and Gil says the magic word to Mr. Telepod. Energize. Hmm. Uh, you appear on the other ship, but you uh, don't appear on anything equatable to a transporter pad. Uh, you're just sort of um, in what looks like some sort of... Um, what you assume is some sort of science center or maybe their main engineering, it's a lot smaller, much simpler than Voyager's layout. Uh, they have what appears to be, from your estimation, Mirren, what looks like some sort of reactor core. It's humming, but very dimly. And uh, you can see that the lights on, that the that they've obviously gone to sort of an emergency power mode because they have like the sort of like iconic red lights of um, emergency on. But what strikes all five of you immediately is very strange, is the fact that all of the uh, people on the ship are also wearing what you would reckon to be environmental suits. And not only that, but they act their, their helmets are actually tinted, such that you can't uh, make out their faces. Who did all the lights? Uh, but I like making out with faces. Uh. <laughs> um... One of the uh, people in this uh, facility uh, turn over to the five of you and walks over. And uh, you're not sure exactly uh, who he's looking at, except that the big bulky helmet sort of points. Uh, and Gil is presumably in the center of your group. And he sort of just, the helmet sort of naturally just stares at it. But you can't, you have no idea if this thing has eyes or what exactly is looking back behind the tent. Someone's basically taken uh, black paint to this helmet, and the creature just speaks to you again, sort of just muffled behind the helmet. They haven't apparently made any sort of uh, means of effective communication, so he sort of is like shouting his best. I'm not going to shout, but you can assume that's what's happening. 
Ah, so you are the ones from the other vessel, then. What are you? We are Starfleet. I see. We have not encountered a vessel of your kind before. And may we say that we have not encountered one of yours either. Interesting. And you are... I am Executive Officer Edison Gill of the uh, USS Voyager. And these are compatriots of yours? Yes. He's speaking in such a way that he is... trying to... What's the one looking for? You get the sense he's trying to, like, sound deeper than he actually is, or he's, like, masking <laughs> his voice in some way. Um... But okay. you, you get the, like, you get this, it's like, you get this sense almost, maybe not Gil, but maybe, as some of you more savvy to uh, diplomacy are getting the sense of, like, a child who, like, pretends to speak with a deeper voice to make him sound older. Like, he's somehow ma trying to mask whatever his voice sounds like. Hmm. And it's coming out as a very, like, deliberate monotone. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. Okay, uh, what kind of they're wearing an EV suit, but like yeah. e what kind of build would they have? Is it ill-fitting? Are they relatively tall? They're basically humanoid size. They're actually a bit fr frailer looking than you. Uh, a bit skinnier overall. Um, the tallest one in the room is maybe 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, um, okay. Uh, but they, they they strike you as sort of frail, like the suits they're wearing aren't form-fitting like yours are. They're a bit mm -hmm. baggy. Um, and whether or not that's on purpose or not, that's impossible to tell at the moment. Um, and they don't have anything particularly sophisticated in terms of, like, you guys have, like, control consoles on your 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 arms and things like that. These look like, sort of, like, just, like... Equatable to the sort of very rudimentary astronaut suits mm -hmm. of old. So we we are experiencing several technical difficulties um, with some of our systems, and we are very much hoping that you will be able to assist us. This seems entirely possible. Uh, do you happen to have an engineer that is still left on board that we could potentially speak to in order to ascertain the uh, cause of these issues you're having. Yes, we our engineer is on board, but unfortunately he was injured in the explosion that damaged our reactor. Oh, so your reactor had exploded. Uh, do you have any idea of how that happened? Could you potentially show us there as uh, as we speak? Y yes, 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 of, of, of course. Uh, right this way. And uh, he t leads you out of this room and down a hall. You don't go through any doors, but he just leads you around the corner. It's kind of, it's very dim lighting. So you find yourself occasionally sort of tripping over whatever or, or having to sort of put your hands along the wall to find your way. And you wonder how on earth uh, these tinted glass people are, are navigating the corridors. We apologize for our current attire. Uh, we are having issues with our environmental controls. We apologize for not informing you of this, but we see that you have taken precautions in of yourself. Um, yes, we had done are... a scan prior to coming aboard. Mm, that is that is good. If you are uh, planning on staying on board 
and we hope you will to assist us, you will probably need to uh, take a simple inoculation. Our medical officer can give you that, but there is a, uh, a bacteria that dwells within our people that we have de determined will be harmful to your kind uh, with constant exposure. Well, through the environmental suits that the both of us, and it seems like everybody else on this ship is wearing, that should not be an issue. Uh, why would we need the inoculation if we are so prepared? Yes, well, um, the uh, bacteria is very per pervasive and may in fact uh, be more than your EV suits can handle, as we are certain that it is not something that you have encountered before. Commander, I got a bad feeling about this. I don't yes, want to say is... nothing. I'm just a petty officer, but I got so a is bad this is this in character this. or not? <laughs> Seriously, Chris? This is 100% in character, including this part. Are you playing Corwin? Corwin? Oh my goodness! Okay. Why? In character, uh, Drake would turn to uh, the XO and he would say, um, "Commander Gill." Uh, Personally, I would be uncomfortable taking some sort of inoculation without it first being checked out by our medical staff. Do you As think would I. Possible to perhaps have uh, one of them beamed over to uh, make an examination of the proposed vaccination? You've heard my my uh, colleague here. Is that entirely possible? Can it leave the ship? It would not be advisable for too many of your personnel to beam over here until you are inoculated. The bacteria is more dangerous than you seem to realize. So, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong, we are under some kind of danger simply being in your presence right now. Yes, unfortunately, we did not determine that this bacterium was going to be so harmful to your kind until preparations were already made for you to arrive on board. Uh, sorry, if if you don't mind, do you have any idea of what kind of adverse effects this this bacteria or organism or whatever you're going to inoculate us with will have on our bodies? The inoculation should be harmless. Our medical staff has made sure, as close as we can, that it should simply protect you against this bacterium and nothing else. If we may, if if we need to properly assess the damage, uh, if we could uh, do so and uh, maybe evacuate your your uh, crew from that area, while we can take a look at that, then we can, can can we can decide how well we're able to help you based on the resources we have uh, before we make a decision to become inoculated. Ah. Uh. Yes, I see. I understand. You shouldn't wait too long, though, but that is acceptable. Um, our navigation system is uh, currently offline, and our engines have been damaged. Taking a look at engines are probably the best bet first. Follow me this way, please. Uh, he leads you over to the engines, and um, he brings you into a room, and there's a, like, uh, a force field sort of like a, a containment field that's been put up over uh, the reactor. And he turns to his, he turns to a subordinate who's in the room. Is the, is the radiation being cleared out of this room? Yes, sir. It should be safe. And he drops the containment field 
and he says, it should be safe to approach, gentlemen. <laughs> and we all die. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately. And you see, as you approach the reactor, that one of the, what you'd probably guess, based on your own tech, is like a coolant tank or a valve or something has, has been blown. Um, and so, like, the reactor hasn't exploded, but some, like, mm. one of the fail-safes has been damaged. And I'm going to have Mirin uh, roll engineering plus insight, please. You can't be 100% sure. So it might be um, irrational to say, <clears throat> but <clears throat> something strikes you as odd about the way this uh, coolant system apparently blew. Um, the man mentioned that there was some sort of attack or some sort of explosion. Um, and that seems to add up, but I don't know. There's just... There's something, something fishy about it. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, while my man has a look, if you could describe exactly what was happening when this explosion took place. Were you attacked, or did you uh, push too hard? Yes, of course. This is a medical vessel. We are doing scientific and medical research on behalf of our people, the Vidians. I've heard that before. Um, <laughs> as we... Uh, approached this system, and uh, we suddenly got a message from our chief of engineering that there was some sort of accident occurred that had occurred in the engine room. Um, when we came down, he was already unconscious. We raised the security barrier as a precaution. We are not entirely sure how it occurred. And Mirren couldn't uh, figure out why, just that it did and it's not good? Um... I'd like to well, determine. That's, a, that's up to Mirren to say. I'd want to like, having been made suspicious of this. Yes. Um, I want to determine if it seems like it was, uh, like a targeted type of thing, or if it was like a natural degradation of the equipment. So, uh, engineering. Um, yeah, you can use insight or reason, and engineering's fine. I'm gonna increase the complication range to two, though. Okay. Boy, Corb, okay. what, what, what do you think they have us here for, right? Keep the peoples alive, you know. Well, we haven't been doing anything yet, eh? Well, that's Dash Commander Gil for you. Maybe you just talk to these guys <laughs> to death. These guys are brutal. <laughs> They've got their own private comm in their helmets. <laughs> Uh, they went, join us for our sister podcast, The Adventures of Corwin and Birch. This is the Waldorf and this is the Waldorf and Statler of. Uh, we get burned up the lower decks. Every week they release a podcast called "Telling It Like It Is" with Corwin and Birch. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh, the um, talking about dignity and diplomacy. And, yeah. Every everything. Haven't uh, seen a problem your... Fraser wouldn't solve yet. <laughs> <laughs> I hate uh, my security crew so much right now. At least these two guys. You have other people. You, you didn't have to bring the two bloodthirsty monsters on. on they the weren't bloodthirsty when I brought them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Drake, uh, sorry, not Drake, uh, Mirren, in your professional opinion, you, uh, you believe that something hit uh, the coolant tank in some way. Like from the inside, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, the, as, as uh, Mirren's overlooking it and everything, the uh, being continues to talk. Yes, there was an accident down here, and shortly thereafter, our navigation systems began to malfunction as well. As a result, we uh, have deci decided to turn the engines off for the moment. It is fortunate that you were able to arrive when you did. Now, if uh, your engineer uh, has finished his precursory examination, he is able to determine whether or not he can fix it. And we should not delay any longer on those inoculations. Uh, hold on a second. What exactly happened? Unfortunately, um, I was in sickbay at the time and could not tell you exactly what occurred. And as our chief of engineering is currently unconscious, undergoing um, physical repairs, it uh, will be impossible to speak for him, with him for several hours. Well, what happened to him? It seems that he is suffering some sort of uh, burns. He is uh, being treated for such right now. Um, so anyways... Uh, closes all external channels so only the team can hear him. Okay. Um, if they're having problem problems with the atmospheric system and the engineer was hurt in the explosion badly enough to be burned, it would stand to reason that his exosuit didn't make it. And thus it doesn't make sense that he would have survived that explosion um i feel like they may be trying to feed us a story that doesn't fit when they say he's still alive well i'm not willing to i'm responding in the same thing yes, i'm not saying yes. this out loud i'm not willing to get this inoculation unless either they're forcing us at gunpoint or they are actually telling the truth so i am stalling for time because the longer that we're here the more likely we'll apparently find out that we have this bacteria in us, according to their story. Uh, Commander, what 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 do you what do you suppose we do? Right? Um, we'll get sick either way. And if we don't get sick, if we don't take it, then they're bullshitting us. Yes, to you on, put it frankly, on a personal note, it looks to me as though our technology is superior to theirs. Thus, I don't see how they would know that our exosuits wouldn't be able to keep the bacteria at bay. My thoughts exactly. They're feeding us a story. Um, which is why I have not signed us up immediately for it. I appreciate your concern, though. Of course. I just wanted to make my feelings on the matter known. I do appreciate your input. Does anybody else think of anything besides those two in the back? Why are you polishing your gun? <laughs> Okay, I'm saying this uh, out back to the uh, the being. Yes. Uh, if you don't mind, we do tend to follow a chain of command here at Starfleet, and while that may not be how you operate, it would be in my best interest to speak to your uh, highest authority on this vessel. He, uh, he, he shrugs as best as he can in this bulky suit, and he says, Very well. We will lead you to the bridge. Our navigation controls are damaged anyways, so it would suit us just fine as well. And then we must insist that you get this inoculation before one of you suffers an adverse effect. You have already probably waited too long. 
Ah, he leads you. He leads you to there. As, as as we're getting led, I wanted to ask a question. Yeah. Okay. Um, have you experienced adverse effects to other um, organisms or or anything that you've come across in the past, where this um, bacteria has uh, affected them in a negative way? My species tends to keep to itself. That is an unfortunate answer and does not shed more light on my inquisitive nature. Are you sure there are no examples? And he he doesn't say anything else. He presses a button on a control panel and a, uh, a door slides open revealing sort of a not quite as sophisticated turbo lift, basically. Mm. And he steps An elevator? Inside. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the door is shut. And uh, it's a very quick ride. <laughs> and the doors slide open. And you find a very sort of simplistic... I guess what this is, the command center. Um, the chair that the commander is sitting on is elevated on a very... Just very slightly on a platform. The chair doesn't look particularly comfy. Um, and he's sort of uh, just leaning on one armrest. Leaning around. There's some other guys... Uh, Sort of wandering around looking at consoles, and you can see uh, the equivalent and uh, equivalent of like whatever the helm control would be. Nobody's manning at the moment, and all the lights on that console are off for the time being. And upon noticing you enter the the bridge, we'll say he he notices you and, and stands up out of his chair. I understand that you have a couple systems that are down. We took a look at the engines and. My engineer is going to ascertain what we can do for you, but I am uh, Executive Officer Edison Gill of the USS Voyager. Uh, I am the leading officer of this uh, aid party that we have here for you, and I would uh, like to also take a look at your navigations, which are apparently also offline. Right. Yes, of course. Um, do you have someone amongst you qualified for such repairs? Mr. Drake, you are proficient in in uh, navigational repairs, uh, repairs, correct? Cor correct, Exo Gill. Uh, if you don't mind giving it a look, much like we did down to the engine room. Affirmative. I uh, I head over to their navigation console, or their the helm console of the ship, and uh, I begin to take a look to see if there's a. Uh, any obvious reasons why it would be malfunctioning. But I want you to roll con and reason or insight. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a more simplistic system than what's on Voyager. And coming away from Voyager's helm, this is a walk in the park, more or less. Uh, you, um, you, the console is offline right now, you, uh, you, and you, but you get the fact that there was some sort of, like, feedback explosion you know like a like a circuit blue or something like that right uh, it would be a quick surge, essentially yeah basically with the repair kit that mirin has got with him uh you can pretty much uh you know swap out the damaged circuit here and now and fix their navigation computer with the uh, needed uh, components in your your hand you can pretty much just sort of grease monkey underneath the the console and swap out the components that you need as you do so, you feel... What's the best way to describe it? At first, you think it's like um, like a static shock, you know, mm. not being grounded or something like that. 
that's that's that was your that's your first inclination, and it 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 numbs your hand for a second, and you kind of like you give it a shake, and the feeling comes back, and then the rest of your repair job uh, proceeds as normally. Okay, a am I to assume that their system is up and operational again? Yes. Uh, yeah. I would like to check their um, navigation logs to see if anything is hinky with them, if they're way off course or uh, or something to that effect. Okay, um, as you as you attempt to check the navigation logs, uh, the the two guys on the ship turn to you and go, "Hey, what are you doing?" I'm just uh, doing a diagnostic to make sure that the repair went fluidly. I see. Very well, and and now they're kind of like doing the like over the shoulder staring at you kind of thing. One of them is the other one is still staring at Gil and the others. And at least twice now, uh, while Drake was making the repair, uh, the other guy who initially met you out of uh, off of the transport or out of the teleporter beam has insisted that you get the inoculation. Uh, you find that the uh, navigation logs have some sort of uh, security password to them. Standard, honestly, for a ship uh you can you can view them as far back as like the last 24 hours uh but anything beyond that requires security clearance of some sort it's got like the standard like enter credentials uh popping up so in the last 24 hours though you can see that the ship hasn't made anything specifically that screams out at you but their course would be what you would describe as meandering after uh drake rejoins the others and the navigation system is clearly online. The uh, the two of you sort of, the the the, uh, the the five of you get the sense that these two are now sort of eagle eyeing you, and uh, uh, a third person walks up with like a metal suitcase, um, like a brief, like a small briefcase, and he sets it on the armrest of the captain's chair and opens it, and you can see inside are like uh, a, a, a half a dozen syringes with some sort of, like, bluish-green liquid inside. Now, I understand that you're trying to, by your reckoning, protect us with this inoculation, but neither did I nor any member of my crew agree to this actually happening. Now, I don't mean to distrust you, but this is something brand new to us, and we'd rather practice our own caution. If we are infected with something, we can deal with ourselves, and happen to get quarantined and figure it out with our own medical staff on our own ship. Now, if this is upsetting to you, I do apologize, but and I go uh, reach to close the lid of the uh, syringe container, I oh, refuse. Uh, he he goes to like stop your hand and holds the other side of the container, very sort of passive-aggressively. And then, as he's doing so, the captain, who's not holding the container, is the other guy who walked up, is like, I must insist, for your own safety, uh, you really don't know what this could potentially do if you beam back to the ship. As far as I'm aware, nobody is telling us what it can do. So unless I get an answer now, we won't consider this, and unfortunately we may not consider continuing to help you. And he, he steps back a second. We do not want there to be any sort of animosity between our people. Let us be more diplomatic. Uh, this bacterium, we can only guess, as it does not harm us in the same way. But we would say that it would probably cause a complete organ shutdown within several hours of continued exposure. 
how would you understand that this would happen? I wouldn't get a response out of one of your other men that, well, nothing. I got no information. How do you know that this is going to happen? What are the possibilities that this will not happen? Have you encountered another organism that this had an effect on, and what did it do to them? Or is this all speculation? With all due respect, the Vidians consider that their medical prowess to be second to none in the Delta Quadrant. Then he pauses for a second. Perhaps second to one. But otherwise, we stand by our medical research above all else. We have done a, we did a quick analysis of your life of your bio signs before you beamed aboard. We have determined that there is a ninety eight percent possibility that this is the result. That is a pretty good possibility, Captain. That's a very good possibility, but based on again, I've no research in front of me to discern that you've done tests on other organisms or uh, any kind of life. This isn't something that I necessarily have to have done in front of me, but I really must, at this point, concur. I'm not injecting a strange liquid into my body just because somebody does say so. And then the, the guy with the briefcase closes the briefcase and resnaps it. And he turns back to you. You are right. We cannot force you to do something you do not want to do. Excuse my concern, but you did rather back down quickly once you found that the navigation was back online. I'm not sure what you mean, but we do not want our first meeting with Starfleet to be a bad one. We hope that we might be helpful to each other in the future. Gil nods slowly. Uh, Commander? Yes? Uh, perhaps we uh, could uh, take a sample of one of those syringes back and have uh, Chief Medical Officer Alexa Evaluated. The uh, captain makes an exaggerated shake of his head to indicate no. I'm afraid that is unacceptable. This is a... Well, we Vidians are very protective of our medical discoveries. You understand, we must be cautious as you are cautious. Uh, Corwin steps forward beside uh, Commander Gill. Commander, I'd be willing to take some back. I mean, if they want to inject us anyways, I can have some floating around in my blood and you can isolate me. And if it turns out that it's of any interest to the medical community, then uh, they can synthesize it right out of me. That is not acceptable. I cannot Gil ponders for a moment. Quinn contacts you, Quinn contacts you over comms, uh, Gil. Mr. Gil. Uh, we see that uh, Mr. Seraph has informed me that the ship has regained navigational controls. Uh, one moment, I'm getting a, uh, I'm getting a, a hailing from Mr. Drake. Just a second. And then there's there's silence on the on the line for just a brief moment of time. Um, I'm going to have Mr. Drake get the inoculation administered to him post haste, and we will uh, beam back aboard as soon as that happens. Trust me, this is for the best that we can hope for. I will explain more when we get back on the ship. Time is of the essence. I'm going to trust you, Mr. Gill, just like I said to you before. Please do. Now. And uh, and I guess you, you expressed that to the aliens, and they turn to... You can see them turn to each other, and again, just sort of... You have no idea what they're doing behind their helmets. Right. And they turn... They turn back to you, and the one with the case opens the case and pulls out the syringe and uh, 
brings it over to like you know when you get like hepatitis shots they inject into like the muscle in your shoulder as opposed to like a vein there's a singe of pain and uh it has a very similar feeling to the to the numbness you fell under the console and it lasts for a millisecond and it's gone and uh the creature uh, the creature the beam puts the empty syringe um uh like in like a bag and uh closes the case and the aliens stare back at you at, he, he says to he says to Gil, at least one of you has come to your senses. Hopefully, we will speak again soon. Mm. And I go and uh, mess, uh, send a tell to the captain to make sure that we get beamed into the quarantine bay. Mm. Okay, so uh, Quinn says, Mister Telpot, beam the away team directly into sick bay quarantine zone one, and then you beam you beam off the ship, and uh, Drake. As uh, you uh, beam uh, away from the ship and and uh, sort of re-emerge uh, re on Voyager, uh, the lightheadedness that you felt slightly before uh, suddenly just hits you really badly. Like, um, well, maybe you don't, but uh, I have this where if I stand up really fast from lying down, yeah, I know exactly. I make what myself, you know. Yeah. So that's basically what hits you. Um, and it's just very, all of a sudden, very woozy, and you, 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 you stumble a little bit. Uh, and whoever's probably right next to you probably like puts I'll a hand on your shoulder. Him, yeah. yeah, and he, he, he studies himself after a second. And the nurse on the other side of the barrier who comes over to you, you're sort of in like a, like a, a sectioned off area, obviously. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so she's behind the force field kind of thing, and the nurse just looks at you and says. Are you all right? I'm feeling extremely lightheaded. And uh, there's a there's a horrible sensation, Drake, and uh, you feel as as though someone had just punched you in the gut, and uh, the force of which sort of sends you sort of squatting, you know, like you might if you were about to throw up, <sighs> and then you do so. Hey, this is Nathaniel Kiefer, writer. GM and producer of Voyager Done Right. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Hey, if you liked what you heard today, then you can do me two big favors. Number one, keep on listening. New content every week. And number two, tell your friends and get them to start listening right now. If you want to chat with us, you can drop us a line on Twitter or join our Discord server. Those links are in the description, and I promise to get back to you in a reasonable time. Say, three to five years? And if you really like what you hear, you can check out our Patreon page. The Nathaniel Kiefer Swimming Pool Construction Fund thanks you in advance for your time. Music from bensound.com and the cast of Voyager Done Right includes myself, Nathaniel Kiefer, as Captain Ulysses Quinn, Richard Jellison as Commander Edison Gill, Christopher Kiefer as Lieutenant Commander Seraph, Jordan Wood as Lieutenant Commander Miran Oka, Kirk Dawson as Lieutenant Leon Locke, and Thomas Hyde as Lieutenant Junior Grade Wallace Drake. Thanks so much for listening. Till next time.